When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Just a few minutes ago, I finished attending day two of the Dimensional Fund's virtual advanced conference for advisors. Oh, thank goodness for Ken French and Eugene Fama, because otherwise it was the most boring stuff ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I tried to sit through the uh, the socially responsible investing section, but boy, do these PhDs and CFAs go way, way, way too deep in the weeds for uh, anybody like me to want to sit and listen. You wouldn't want to listen. Let me tell you, most of you, really. And they put up slides on the screen that have like 500 numbers on them. No, that is no way to keep anyone's. I see one of those and I just, my eyes glaze over. I go, I'm not going to stick around for this. But, yeah, and I thought the bond thing would be interesting. It wasn't. Um, Then there was a thing on valuing intangibles in business that was beyond dull. But at the end of the day, they had two of my favorite academics of all time, Ken French from Dartmouth and Eugene Fama from the University of Chicago, who won a Nobel Prize in 2013. And I love these guys because they're, they humanize the data. They humanize the process. They, 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 they share information that's really valuable. And I just wanted to share a couple of really interesting insights from them. And in the past, we've talked about the huge impact of just five stocks on the total stock market, the U.S. stock market particularly. And that's your 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 FAMA stocks. They used to call them FANGs, but the big ones are now uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Alphabet. So it's F-A-A-M-A ironically, but they made a great point about these. There has been a process underway in this country since the 90s. It's a the mid-90s, and it's, an, it's a technification, and, and I made that word up just now, a, a, a netification, a webification process. And if you remember back in the 90s, the 2000s, there were thousands of great ideas about how to take advantage of this new technology. And everybody had a different way they were going to do it. And most of those companies, while they may have had great bursts of activity and lots of investors poured billions of dollars into them, what happened is that very few survived out of all those companies. 
They either got swallowed up or they just went out of business. And the Fama stocks are some of the winners. They're they're in that group of winners. They're in that group of survivors. And, and they're the absolute biggest winners of the winners. So, of course, their growth is going to or should have been should have been, past tense, phenomenal, because they were the ones who won. All of those billions of dollars that were lost in the others ended up going into these winners. But you can't expect the winners from before to always win. Yes, some of them will, and that's been the case in the past. But because you missed them doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It means it's hard to do because you can't expect everything to be a winner. Only a few get to be winners. And that means you have to accept, really, your best bet, they say, all of them say, take average because that's as good as it's going to get. Take what the market gives you, which is adjusted for risk. But if you want to know what the market is going to give you in the future, Good luck. We get that question a lot. So how much can I expect to make from stocks? And we look back, we look back a hundred years and we can tell you what the premium was over riskless securities. And it was probably about 6%. We can tell you what it was, but Professor French shared a fascinating figure based on their mathematics. If you really want to get a good number that is a reasonable expectation, you need a lot more data than we even have today. And, and bear in mind, we only have 94 years of good U.S. stock market data. He said their math shows that you would need 400 years to get a semi-accurate figure. So right now, we're making a best guess, but it remains a guess. And then finally, I loved this question. Why are stocks so high right now? Other than the fact that there are a bunch of these big companies making a lot of money, the FAMAs, this answer was insightful. And again, it came from Ken French. Stocks are high right now in this pandemic because we don't have anything else to do with our money. And think about that for a minute. What would most people who have money, you know, people with, with excess money, the, up, the middle class, upper middle class, the, the, the low end of the wealthy, the wealthy, what would they be doing with their money under normal circumstances? They'd be going to the movies, spending money. They would be going out to dinner. They would be buying things. They would be going on trips. They would be you know, buying another car. They would be doing things with their money. Well, when you can't do much with your money, except spend it on Amazon or DoorDash, what do you do? Well, I got some excess money. Someday I may want to take a trip. So why don't I invest that? And that's what we've been doing. And when you invest, you have to buy something from somebody else. If you want to buy stocks and there's a lot of money out there chasing stocks, then 
what happens to the price of the stocks? If there's an if there's a finite supply, there aren't as many sellers as there are potential buyers, then the sellers can say, ah, I think I want a little bit more for my stock, and the buyers are going to pay it, bidding the price up. So what it might mean for the future is lower returns in the short run, but it means, though, that the market is not out of touch with reality. The market is actually reflecting reality. I just thought that was fascinating. It's really good information. And I'll, we'll share more of that information from the conference. As a matter of fact, we're going to work on some classes based on some of the information that was really good. We are not going to bore you with the, uh, the, the, the bond thing or the uh, intangibles. No. But we, we are going to put together some classes based on some of the other information because some of it was very good. And if you have specific situations that you would like to discuss please call the podcast at 855-935-TALK or send your question in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And if you have really complicated, more involved stuff, please set up an appointment with one of our advisors. Let them help you a little. You may not need us to be your advisor. That's great. We're not going to push you into doing that. We do want to get everybody on a better track for a better future. That's something we really want to do. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. Give me a call just like this. Thanks. And my name is Kathy. I have two questions quickly. One for me, one for my husband, who we argue about investing all the time. <laughs> number one, my question. I waited a long time. I have very little money. I'm old. But I'm still working. I take my Social Security because, damn it, they're going to give it to me before somebody screws it up. I have $30,000 in cash. That is part of my money for my uh, six months stash away. Should I take 10 of it, 20 of it, and start a portfolio even though I'm 66? Second question. Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. If we have a two-parter, I'm going to get the first part in before the second part. You're funny, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> you just said it. You said it. That's your emergency money. It's your six months emergency money. No. Unless you can stand taking risk, are you okay with watching 10,000 of it um, or 20 or whatever you're willing to put into longer-term investments, decline by 50% and be patient and sit it out? If not, then you keep it in the safe stuff. It, it means you're not going to make anything, but it means it's available. It's there for the emergencies. That's what emergency funds are there for. So I would probably leave it, you know, find the highest-yielding, Short, short, short-term bond funds you can find or, or high-yielding bank account, which means nothing, and keep it for emergencies for rainy days. Next part, go ahead. Second question. Tell my husband how foolish he is. He just gave a wine investor on the East Coast, yes, $10,000. <laughs> wow. Can you comment on wine futures? I just have to get him back. Thanks, you guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Wine futures? <laughs> oh, you must love him 
so much. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. This is serious. That's ten thousand dollars. That you know, so many of these people are just outright frauds. I can't even comment on it. But no. Okay, if you're worth billions, then go ahead and dabble in wine futures. Is he worth billions? Okay, tens of millions? If not, buy him a nice bottle of wine and tell him, get the damn $10,000 back and invest it in stocks like you wanted to do with the emergency money. He's going to be taking a whole lot less risk. And that's even assuming he can get it back. I bet he can't get it all back, if any of it. I bet. I, I, I mean, that's that's my guess. Find out. Say, honey, can you get that money back? I'll, I'll, I'll be really nice to you for a while. Just get that money back. I'll buy you a really nice bottle of wine. We can drink it together, have a romantic evening. Maybe I'll like you better afterwards. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should not make light. I am a married person, and I know that these fights can be serious. But wine futures? I love your call. Thank you. I hope that helped. Tell him Don says, dumb idea. Dumb. Whew. How did he get taken? I don't know. Don't know. Not going to ask. 855-935-TALK will get you in that way. The other way we can get your voice on is very simple. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click the contact button, and then you can type your questions. We'll do some of those tomorrow. Or you can speak them like this. If a family real estate business wants to diversify their asset holdings by investing in a broad market, broad market index funds, is the best way to do that by forming a family fund pooled investment vehicle? Or would the best way to do that just have each individual invest uh, in their own individual account? Thanks again. I love the show. Well, thank you. Um, hmm. I mean, I can. I guess I can see you wanting to diversify in the business. I think a, a lot of it is going to depend on the structure of the business. The business could, if it has extra capital, certainly buy its own mutual funds. It could. Uh, but that's something for your attorney. And there may be a family trust that can be established to do that, but that's going to be at, a, at additional expense. Maybe you just want to distribute some of the capital to the shareholders in the business and let them go out and invest that in index funds on their own through their regular account, their Roth IRA, their regular IRA, or whatever it might be, and just buy a good, broad-based, diversified index fund or two and, and, uh, and get it that way. That's probably the easiest and cheapest way to do it. But to keep it inside the company, it's really going to depend on the company structure, and I would definitely want you to consult with your attorney on that. Sure, it can be done, but I just want to make sure you're not going to run into any issues with the company. Thanks for your question, though. 855-935-TALK or go to TalkingRealMoney.com and hit the contact button, 855-935-8255. You can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and Mario is back. 
Uh, hi, uh, this is Mario from Kansas. Uh, I think you convinced me 80% to change my portfolio from a three funds portfolio to just uh, two funds, VTWAX and VBTLX. I introduced your show and podcast to my friends, and some of them, it's like they're having some comments like, uh, too risky to buy international stocks. They are saying that they need to trust John Bogle, uh, Warren Buffett, and Jim Collins, where they recommend only top stock markets, VTSAX, or just the S&P 500. And they are talking about currency risk. Uh, can you respond to their comments? in one of your future podcasts. Thank you so much. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Mario. I'm going to respond to it right now because there have been a number of studies done on this. Uh, Vanguard has done some of them. While currency hedging is a good idea in bond funds, they found that it is not particularly valuable in equity funds, because part of the reason you own international equities is to diversify your portfolio, to broadly diversify, to increasingly diversify your portfolio. And part of that diversification is being exposed to other currencies, to the volatility of other currencies. I mean, you could, but hedging costs money. And whenever you pay more money for something, you reduce returns. And they found, and others have found, that that extra cost of hedging over a long period of time provides little or no benefit to the end investor if you're not traders. You see, currency exposure, currency risk, generally only matters to traders because they're worried both about the short-term fluctuations of the equities and the fluctuations of the currencies. But if you've looked at currency exchange rates over long periods of time, the changes tend to be relatively small, particularly when you're talking about the major currencies in the world, U.S. dollar, euro, pound, those. Uh, the volatility is relatively low. It's an expensive proposition, and it's not worthwhile. And for those... We had this, we literally, Tom and I have had this argument or when he was alive with Jack Bogle. And he came around near the end to say, yeah, okay, having some international does make sense. We all tended to be a little U.S.-centric at one time. But part of the reason for that was that it used to be harder to trade international markets. They were, it was less common. It was hard to find an inexpensive mutual fund to do so. Now it's easy. Those markets are easy to trade. There is a global marketplace now. So a lot of the arguments from the old school folks, and, and I'm old, but I'm not old school, have lost some of their weight. So that argument is, is far more spurious these days. And, and again, we have no vested interest in getting you to invest more overseas. We just know from looking back at decades of research that having that international exposure has helped reduce the perception of risk, which is volatility. So it's good for investors 
who don't want to get scared out of the market. And the best example is the lost decade. When we look at 2000 to 2010, all of those who were invested just in the S&P 500 lost money over a full decade. Yet, those who split their money between U.S. and international and broadly diversified in both and had a 50-50 portfolio actually made money. I mean, they made more than 6%. Again, depending exactly on how you looked at it, but they made money. They did. It's a fact. A broadly diversified international portfolio made decent money over that 10-year period in which the S&P 500 lost money. If that's not the best argument for it, I don't know what is. You want to be diversified so you don't suffer long-term losses. And the evidence keeps pointing to that. Of course, there's no guarantee. But you can't argue with the evidence. Too many, it's just there, there's too much anecdotal stuff out there, and people like to argue from their narrow perspective. And I hate to tell you, but your friends are wrong, they're just flat out wrong, unless they like taking more risk for similar returns. If they love that, if they don't mind that extreme volatility for long term returns that have been very similar. All right, more power to them again, doesn't hurt me a bit. Thank you so much for calling again, Mario. We really do appreciate you listening. And thanks for trying to get your friends to do it. And we know that's one of the bigger challenges we face is convincing people that the information we're sharing actually has some validity. A lot of validity because it's based on something that most of the other stuff that gets spewed around out there in the financial service community doesn't have. And that's evidence. Evidence. Lots and lots of evidence. Yes, if you don't believe in science, if you just believe that whatever you believe is what everybody else should believe, then okay, you'll never like us. You just go listen to your stock picking shows. But if you're tired of being one of the losers, which most stock pickers are, and you're ready to just be average, then this you'll find this show, while it may not be as exciting probably is more helpful. So thanks for listening. Please call 855-935-TALK. Send your questions in at talkingrealmoney.com. If you want to spend a little time with one of our advisors, we will provide that to you for free, no obligation, and no sales pitch. Just go to our firm, Vestory, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page or read all about us on the way. And then set up an appointment. You can set up an online appointment, a phone appointment, or an in-person appointment if you're in the Seattle area. And they'll help. I promise. And I promise you'll feel really comfortable doing so. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap up another one here. Time to... Uh, well, I still have other things I have to do to finish up the day. But this part's done Thanks again. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosure.
That should keep the lawyers happy. <laughs>